Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Labor shortage and workforce development are two themes that continue to surface in my conversations with manufacturing leaders and advisors. And today, we're going to look at it from an angle we haven't yet explored on this show. There are a number of talent pools, from veterans to disabled to ex-felon, that not only present opportunities for finding talent, but can also come along with meaningful incentives and tax credits. These incentives can also extend into investments in buildings, machinery, equipment, and upskilling your employees. My guest today, a CPA who has spent her career building deep expertise inside of the manufacturing sector, is here to unpack all of this for you. Let me introduce her. Leslie Boyd is Managing Principal of Manufacturing at CLA. Leslie has more than 15 years of experience in public accounting, specializing in tax services for multi-state and multinational C-corporations, S-corporations, and partnerships. She also has significant experience with tax provision preparation. Leslie is passionate about business owner transition structuring and identifying strategies for manufacturing organizations to increase cash flow with tax planning strategies including uncovering tax credits and incentives. Leslie earned her Bachelor's of Science in Accounting from Indiana University and her Master's in Tax from Indiana University. She's also involved in women in manufacturing. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is so great to be here with you. Awesome. It's great to have you here as well. I'm excited about this conversation. So Leslie, can you kick things off here by telling us a little bit about how you developed your niche focus in manufacturing? I absolutely can. And real quick, before I get started with that, have you ever interviewed a CPA before? Oh, man, that's a really good question. I'm thinking back, there's probably like somebody I interviewed last month and I'm completely blanking on it. But I don't know that I have had a CPA on this show. You might be a first. And that's probably long overdue and a topic that, and you know, an area of expertise that's welcome to this audience. So I'm glad we connected here. Well, then before I get started, my company asked me to just do a quick disclaimer that my comments are intended to be general information. They don't constitute accounting advice. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, (laughs) (laughs) I think my story is quite fun. So I always tell people that I am actually a recovering auditor. So I started my career at a big four firm. And I think that's a really great place to start any career. And I always tell any CPA starting out that that's a good place to start because you just learn so much about how flows of transactions work and you learn so much about big companies. And that's what I was doing was auditing big public companies. But I was really bad at that for a couple of reasons. One reason was that I have no professional skepticism. So we would watch these fraud videos and I was like, huh, oh my gosh, people would actually do that. I am a really good consultant, but turns out I do not have a fraud mindset. So not such a great auditor, it turns out. And then the flip side of it is when you're auditing these 
huge multinational companies, I was seeing one one hundredth of these mammoth projects. So I didn't really feel like I was making an impact. So did it about as long as I could handle, which was about one year of my life. And then after that, I changed over to tax at CLA. And I always knew I wanted to be in tax. But again, I think that foundational experience was really important. So after that, went to CLA. And that was really cool because we get the opportunity at CLA to work mostly with privately held businesses and their owners. And so that's a huge difference from working with the massive public companies where you're seeing like one one hundredth of a project, you get to see everything from start to finish. And it was really awesome because I got to see a wide variety of projects. So I was seeing S corporation returns, partnership returns, high net wealth individual returns. And then the thing that accidentally got me into manufacturing. And that was one of my very first projects there was a research tax credit study. And for people who don't know a lot about research and development tax credit studies, that is all about how is a product made. So you are literally digging into what are the uncertainties related to developing a new product or a new process. And you are spending so much time interviewing hundreds of people at a company and learning about the product development, getting down to the metallurgy of it or the molecules of it, or how does it work? And so I learned so much doing that because I learned interview skills. I learned all about just different types of hard sciences. And man, that was exhilarating and it was a lot of fun. So that really prompted my background in manufacturing. And then back in 2016, they asked me to start to lead our manufacturing practice locally. And so that was really the impetus to that background and created what I would call a spiral career trajectory for me. Yeah, I love that story. It just kind of reminds me of our world so much. I mean, me doing this podcast, geez, I've spent 160 weeks or so of just interviewing manufacturing experts and people advising manufacturers. And you just just having those conversations week after week after week, you learn so much. And the way our, our writers at, my, you know, we run a marketing agency at, and our writers are just constantly interviewing engineers and plant managers and facility managers and CFOs of these manufacturing companies that we work with. And it's amazing the knowledge you gain about things you never knew even existed. And all of a sudden, you've got like this well-rounded knowledge of a niche that you couldn't have really seen playing out probably years back in your career. Well, I think that's right. One time I was interviewing someone and he just stopped me in the middle of it. And he said, oh my gosh, thank you. This is like one of the best days of my life. He goes, because nobody has ever cared this much about what I'm doing. (laughs) And it was so cool that I made somebody's day just by doing a job, helping their company get a tax credit, but also being so engaged in what they were doing. That's great. I love it. Well, Leslie, obviously, as you've just discussed, you've spent a lot of time walking the shop floors inside of manufacturing facilities, talking to leaders in the organizations. What are some of the topics or themes or general things you're seeing time and time again that you're finding to be really important going on inside of manufacturing right now? Well, I would tell you since COVID, it has just been a crazy landscape and there have been all kinds of topics that we're hearing. And that could be anything from supply chain shortages, that's been big, to labor shortages. Is there going to be a recession, this concept of an EOR economy? But gosh, I could probably boil it down to a few key things, prevalent areas that we hear about, one being digital transformation and automation. And when I think about that, 
I think we all are hearing just so much about digital transformation and automation being in the robotic space on the shop floor. How do we do that effectively? And there's a lot of complicated components to that. Certainly, everybody wants to automate the manual processes on the shop floor, but that doesn't come without risk for those small to mid-sized manufacturers, which is actually the majority of the U.S. economy. That is a huge upfront capital investment. So if that doesn't go right, that's massive risk for the company. And some people are really scared about, do they lose face then in doing that and making that massive investment? So do you mitigate some of that risk, maybe even looking at something like robotics as a service? And then there's the whole back of the house piece of that automation. And do you automate different types of your back of the office? Think about AP automation. And as you go through that change management, how do you get people comfortable that you're not going to eliminate their job? You're just going to elevate them to something more interesting and exciting. So digital transformation and automation are huge, and they tie hand in hand with another topic that we're hearing a lot about, which is labor shortages. So no secret that in COVID, we had a lot of people exiting the workforce. I think that that was just something where you heard about the great resignation. I think in manufacturing, it's probably actually more like the great retirement. So you had a lot of people that have been in the workforce a long time. We've got the baby boomer generation and they're moving on from the workforce. So think about that 30-year machinist that's been with the company, all that institutional knowledge that they have. Well, they're taking all of that with them. So how do you continue to keep that knowledge in the company pass it on to that next generation and get other people excited about doing some of that work and even hire that next generation. And then I hear a lot about reshoring too. And while we've got all of this geopolitical uncertainty and we're thinking about reshoring, that all ties into the labor shortage because it's great to want to bring jobs here. But to do that, we've got to think about how are we going to staff those jobs and combine that with digital transformation and robotics. So it's a combination of doing that effectively with robotics, with machinery, but also finding that skilled workforce and really tying that into the skills gap and getting people excited about wanting to come back to the manufacturing profession. So it's not this dirty profession, but really it can be a clean profession. It can be an awesome career path for people, whether it's in welding whether it's an apprenticeship that turns into a great career opportunity, how do we get the young population excited to go into a great career path? So those are a lot of the things that I'm hearing as I walk the shop floors. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Brendan, take it away. So I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Brendan Forrest. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50-plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations that meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to do a better manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. 
This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. And on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. Leslie, as an advisor to manufacturing leaders, can you talk about some of the benefits available today in regard to hiring and workforce development? Yeah, so there are a lot of benefits that are out there for hiring and workforce development. And there's a lot of different talent pools, first of all, to tap into. So as you tap into unique talent pools, there are a lot of incentives that are tied to that. So think about apprenticeships, for example, being maybe a unique talent pool that you tie into, whether that is high school students that you're looking into or some type of underserved population that's out there. Maybe it's a veteran population. Maybe it's a disabled population. Maybe it is an ex-felon type of population. Some of these populations that we give an opportunity to, they can be an incredibly loyal workforce because we've given them a second chance and another opportunity. So having said that, as you think through finding talent in unique and different areas, I think there are a lot of both federal incentives that are out there, as well as state incentives that are out there. So from a federal perspective, a really popular program that's out there is something that's called WOTSI or the Work Opportunity Tax Credit Program. And that's a tax credit that's up to $9,600 per eligible employee when you hire from these underserved populations. So again, think about different veteran categories. It could be some type of unemployed veteran. It could be a disabled veteran. But a lot of times those individuals, they have trouble reintegrating into the workforce after leaving the service. And so there's benefits that are out there for companies that are able to take in these very loyal workers and to reskill them. Similarly, people that are long-term unemployed or on some type of SNAP benefits or TANF benefits or some type of ex-felons, they're all eligible for these types of tax credits. And the tax credits can vary in amounts, but again, so long as you employ certain individuals in these categories for up to 120 hours, there's federal tax benefits that are out there for them. Now, in addition to those statutory federal benefits, there's a ton of state programs that are out there. And I'll speak specifically to Indiana, but just know that Indiana's model If you go across each state, they're very similar. So Indiana has several different programs that support businesses. And the programs, again, they're representative of what most of the states and counties offer. So in Indiana, we've got an EDGE program, which is a fully refundable tax credit. And that's available for a lot of the job creation headcount that you're creating. And then we also have an HBITC Hoosier Business Investment Tax Credit. And that's really looking at, are you investing in buildings and machinery and equipment? And then I talked about, again, as you're looking at those underserved populations and you're training employees, doing apprenticeships or you're training people, Indiana has a skilled enhancement fund and that supports training and retraining people. And they pay you 50 cents 
on the dollar up to $200,000 for two years. So it's an incredible benefit that they provide for training and reskilling the workforce. And then lastly, most states have on-the-job training programs that are federally funded, but they're administered via the state workforce development program. So they're really encouraging companies to develop apprenticeships and to invest in the workforce. Yeah, that's all great stuff. Do you find that most of the companies you talk to understand these programs are available, are taking advantage of them? Or do you find like there's sort of a lack of knowledge about what even is out there? I think that most companies are unaware that these programs exist. And so there's a catch-22. There are certain ones that you can go out to, again, to the workforce development site and you can apply to. But again, some of it requires awareness. And it's complicated because there's state-by-state differences in awareness. And you could have manufacturing plants in each state. And so it's important to understand what are the requirements by state to meet the requirements for the program. The other catch-22 is that some of these programs are negotiated incentives. So it's really important that you understand the capital investment or the increase in jobs that you're going to create on the front end. And you negotiate with the state prior to making that investment so that you can maximize your benefit. And that's sometimes we're having another company, a consultant come alongside you and help negotiate on your behalf can help maximize the investments that you get from the state or the the support rather that you get from the state. And then lastly, with work opportunity tax credit, I will tell you that we see the majority of companies, in my opinion, overlook that because it's just so easy to overlook that. You have to certify employees within 28 days of hiring them. And I think it's difficult sometimes for companies to get that process in place. And it's really easy to just overlook those dollars. Interesting. You mentioned apprenticeships earlier. What's the state of apprenticeships from your perspective? Are you seeing there being a trend or an upswing in in that sort of thing? I think those are becoming a lot more popular because it's an incredible way to build your talent pool and to teach high school students that manufacturing, to your point, it's not this dirty job. So it's really interesting CLA, we are in fact doing a high school internship program. We just did our inaugural one this summer. And part of our program was taking these students through a course of what does it look like to do a piece of an audit? What does it look like to do a piece of a tax return? It was to show them the CPA profession and then to take them on client visits. Well, the reason I bring this story up is because I took the high school students one afternoon to one of our clients who's in a machining business, and they too do a high school apprenticeship program. And they pay these students for six months while they're going through the apprenticeship program, and they pay them a very good wage while going through the apprenticeship program for six months. And then they get out, and the hourly wage is incredible getting out. I mean, you can make over six figures a year. So think about that. You can come out of school, get paid while you're doing the apprenticeship program, and then you come out with no college debt and you make over six figures a year. So I'll tell you, I think I had some high school students that were sitting here going, yeah, it's pretty cool to be a CPA, but this could also be an incredible profession for me as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool to hear. I don't think people realize what sorts of jobs are even out there and what a great way to test the waters and see if it's something you're interested in than an apprenticeship, right? 
Absolutely. Love that. Leslie, I noticed in your bio that you mentioned you're involved with women in manufacturing. What's that organization all about? What are you doing there? Yeah. So Women in Manufacturing is a brother-sister organization to the Precision Metal Forming Association. And it was created to support, promote, and inspire women, really for the whole standpoint that we've got to get more women into the manufacturing profession. So as you know, it's been a very male-dominated industry for a long time. And we really want to support the careers of women and give them a voice. And so it educates women. It talks about work-life balance. And for me, it was such an incredible journey and opportunity. CLA is a corporate sponsor, but my personal involvement started with them because they have an annual summit. And the first summit that I attended was in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was my first day back from maternity leave with my second kid. So you can imagine what an incredible way to go back to work than to go spend two days with 700 women and just be totally surrounded by people who were passionate about manufacturing, passionate about supporting careers of other women and lifting each other up. And from then I was hooked and I got involved in the local association and we've been involved since then. Again, I think a lot of companies used to be scared that maybe that would result in, let's say, a reduction in force. But I think now companies are keeping those employees and they're reskilling them and they're upskilling them. And so there are a lot of economic development dollars related to that too for training those. For example, Indiana has a manufacturing readiness grant that's out there and it will pay dollar for dollar for new smart equipment that you're investing in up to $200,000. So to your point, there's all kinds of programs that are out there for companies that are looking to invest in employees, in personnel, in changing their organization for the positive. And to me, that's what's so exciting is this profession is going to keep changing and it's going to keep evolving. And it's going to take all kinds of ways for companies to pour into their people, to pour into technology. And as you do that and you go on that journey, just know that there's lots of resources that are out there to support you. Great advice and great way to put a bow on it. Leslie, can you tell our audience a little bit about how they can get in touch with you, where they can learn more about CLA, and if you know they're interested in talking, how you could start that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So my phone number is 317-569-6329. And certainly you can visit our website, which is www.claconnect.com. And we would love to help anybody who's interested in learning more. Fantastic. Well, Leslie, really appreciate you doing this today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.